that's unlocked. It would not be an E3 without a chat with uh, the man himself, Phil Spencer. Hey, good Ryan. to see you. Good to see you. Uh, so far, so good. All well. Feeling good about this week? Yeah. I got my first uh, talk on the stage done with a, a car hanging over my head that people didn't know at the time. You know, a press briefing, and it didn't yep. fall on me, so that was good. <laughs> Nothing really leaked this year. Rare replay leaked, like, leaked in the morning. Yeah. Uh, Gears, the anniversary edition, a little bit earlier. But yeah, yeah like we kept back and pat. We kept uh, ReCore, we kept Sea of Thieves. I mean, there were ideas. Obviously, Rare was working on something. But it was nice to kind of roll in. And, and the Gears 4 gameplay, I, I thought it was uh, it was a better year for us in keeping our secret secret. Uh, so there are a lot of still questions about the backwards compatibility thing. Uh, how, so we'll, I know you have to get, you were telling me off mic that uh, yeah. you got to get third party uh, uh, sign off basically they, they have, have to, to approve. agree to it that's but right on the first part can we expect 100 percent first party that's not connect because you said the connect stuff is no go that's our goal uh to be straightforward yeah. there are a couple games that are multi-disc we're yep. packaging up multi-disc there are two that are important to me lost odyssey and blue dragon that yep. i'd love to see included in the program uh and we have to get how we're going to deal with multi-disc 360 games it's just a little added complexity mm -hmm over the natural mechanism. But yeah, first party, we're all in. And uh, I think it's an important stake in the ground for us to, to put that our first party is all in on back and pack. So I'm already seeing people are trying Mass Effect 1, which you demoed on stage, yeah. but they're saying, uh, I can't get at it because uh, it's my saves. Is that, you need your DLC. So is the DLC going to be accessible? Yes. Yeah, we're going to have the add-on content. Right now we're in preview. Yeah. Right. So the preview is just to give people a sense of what it's like see performance relative to the 360 versions, just get a taste of it. We list a subset of the games. But yeah, in the end, when that actually goes live to the general public, you'd expect the add-on content would be included, uh, obviously live and everything else, and a fuller, a more full collection of games. Uh, so, how about, and then on the live arcade side, is that is that any easier or same challenges? Can we expect 100% of first party live arcades? Yeah, the, the challenges from a developer standpoint are, are minimal, right? They don't have to do anything. Yeah. Uh, for the games that we've published, we have the rights to go do that. Uh, obviously, with something like Mass Effect that kind of sits in the, we actually published Mass Effect right, 1, but, but EA, and so we had a conversation with EA before uh, about us doing Mass Effect, but on the XBLA side, Absolutely, I want to like that's kind of where the root of it started for me was the, the digital games that I owned. I just wanted to yeah. turn on my box and see them show up. Disc-based support was great, and it came with the same work that we did. So we want to support discs, and we will. And uh, but right now in the preview, you're seeing a preview of what uh, Back and Pat will look like, mainly for people to get a sense of how the games are going to play. So is this? I mean, I. I, I mean this respectfully but yeah. how, why how come this isn't something that we got a year ago or, or closer to launch is it is it has it been a project that started later that is this from, sort of in response to fan feedback or is this just an engineering challenge that's been ongoing for a long time it was something that was important to me when i took over the role of head of xbox you know there were a couple decisions and you and i've talked about them around Connect and the gold line and what was in and out of Connect that were more public yeah. things that we did. But around that same time, uh, to me, it was important that we do back and pat for 360. I said, if we're going to go and more and more of our fans and customers are going digital with their content, I think about Xbox and the commitments they made to us in 360. 
we've talked before about PowerPC to x86 and whether this was actually going to be possible. Frankly, we didn't know yeah. when we started a year ago, which is why we didn't like. I've been wanting to tell people for the last year, like games with gold. Hey, even if you're a if you're a three an Xbox One customer, go get the 360 games. And you guys have been doing because you know those games will show up and back compat at some point. And you'll have rights to them. Nice. So I've been wanting to tell people to to go and how this is working, but. It was around January that we actually saw the glimmer of, hey, I think this is actually going to work. So basically, when you when you were uh, named the boss, this was the, you greenlit this. This, yeah, that's yeah. when we started. And for me, it was just kind of fundamental to how I want to treat our customers. I think Xbox Live is a service that people commit in into. Their friends are there, their achievements are there, uh, and I wanted to, to as much as I can create that consistent experience for them for them from 360 Xbox One. Now I say that. I didn't write the code. The kind of code ninjas went in and made it possible. So I don't get, I shouldn't get the credit for it because it's Kevin LaChapelle, Bill Stillwell, the guys in the team that went off and just made this possible. Uh, and it was great. I mean, it was, they just, they, they tackled the problem with full speed ahead. And uh, it was nice to see the results. Cool. Uh, on game side, all of Halo 5's DLC maps are free. Yeah. That's awesome. Is that. A unique thing to Halo Five, or is that going to be a, a studio first-party studio-wide initiative that we'll see in other games? It's a Halo Five decision. Okay. Yeah, it's something that three four three a decision they made about the way they want to roll out Halo Five and the the plans they have around the product. And you know, I fully support it. You've seen Forza in the past do things with car packs and individual cars. And the way different teams just have different ideas about how they want to roll out their content and the continuity they want to have around hoppers and playlists and other things. And 343 has a real plan for Halo 5, and that's part of it. Cool. Uh, I'm curious, what, what was the reason to go with a new IP for, for uh, you know, for with ReCore? You know, it seems to be maybe an action-adventure-y kind of thing as opposed to you know, you're sitting on a pile of, of a treasure trove of rare IPs that you, you know, are now sort of getting into with the, the Rare Replay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, is there any thought to, was there any thought to sort of handing one of those Rare IPs to, to somebody to build something? You know, we're always open to ideas as partners come along. The opportunity to work with Inafune-san from a first-party standpoint for yeah. the first time. We've obviously worked with them on Mighty Number no. 9, and I've, I've known him for years. Um, and the team at Armature, which is has a great pedigree. I love working on new IP, and I know certain people might look at like gears and some of the decisions around that, but when we have the opportunity with a new team to work on an IP that I thought showed really well on screen, it's kind of a real thoughtful uh, piece and a game that we're already playing in the studio. So it's I, I played on Friday before I flew up. So something I see I can get my hands on, uh, feel what the game is like, and it feels like a great new first-party franchise for us. You've talked to me in the past about uh, how like Tomb Raider fit the portfolio very well. It's mm -hmm. a, a type of kind of game you didn't have. You know, you've got a shooter, you've got racing games. Uh, are, do you see any other holes left in the first party portfolio that, that you, in one way or another, would like to fill over the next few years? You know, one thing, a couple things I'm watching right now, uh, there's with Smite and Gigantic, and I guess to some extent Fable, you're seeing MOBA-like games come to console. We obviously... Uh, Fable's a first-party franchise. Gigantic, we have a relationship. Smite, we have a relationship with. It'll be interesting to see how that space takes off uh, and you know whether we're a real player there from a first-party standpoint. The other one I'd say is kind of free-to-play MMOs. They're having incredible success with Neverwinter. Yeah. Uh, EverQuest, or uh, e, um, ESO, <laughs> EverQuest is to me, uh, has come, and not free-to-play, but you see these kind of different models 
coming into the platform. And it's an area that we continue to look at. Sea of Thieves actually has an interesting, they kind of call it a group uh, cooperative gameplay. You kind of see that with the ships. Right. You know, that's social. You know, I'm playing a lot of Destiny. You know, social co-op bigger games like that we don't have that really in our first party lineup right now we're starting some things that are uh, in that space and it'll be interesting to see how it evolves but i i really enjoy the large-scale co-op games right uh you mentioned fable uh do you have any intention or desire to make a, a sort of more traditional fable game or or do you see sort of legends as the as the direction for the franchise going forward I don't think it precludes us from doing a more traditional RPG uh, with with Fable, with what the team wants to do with Legends. I, I like what they're doing with Legends. I'm having fun in the beta and playing. Uh, it was an int- th- that team has been on the Fable One, Fable Two, Fable Three. So when teams want to find a creative spark to go something, do something new, a little bit like Sea of Thieves with with Rare, it's right. something that I want to be supportive of. Uh, but it doesn't at all put a stake in like old older style RPGs with Fable and us coming back and doing that at some point. Uh, what is Twisted Pixel doing? I really thought they would show up at E3. It's been, we haven't seen them since launch. They're, uh, you know, they've done one game as a first party for you so far. Uh, was Gunstringer first, it would have been right around that time. Some, yeah. right, and regardless. Yeah. And then Loco Cycle, yeah. We, yeah. Haven't, we haven't seen them in a while. No, they're busy at work. I mean, it's, you want to give teams the right amount of time to land what they want to show on stage and what they want to talk about. Right. So, uh, you know, it's just the right games at the right time. Even our split between E3 and Gamescom for what we're showing. Yeah. You know, we kind of have to announce ahead of time some of the things that are going to be shown at Gamescom. But you want to make sure all the teams have the, the right amount of time to show what they want. People have asked me about Inside and, hey, yeah. where is Inside? Another great game that will show at, at, at the right time. Uh, but showing with the kind of full promise of what the game is is critical to the game's success. Is it reasonable to assume that Twisted Pixel's next game will not involve the Kinect in any way, just as Loco Cycle didn't? Uh, I think you'll have to wait to see what I'm talking about. I gotta try. Do you see, I've talked to Dan Greenewald and, and Alan Harper about this a little bit, uh, do you see any need or, or a market for a potential third Forza franchise at any point? Hmm. Not right now. I mean, when I, I think about Horizon, does incredibly well for us. I think that the team at Playground is top notch, and I thought Forza Horizon Two was, to me, one of the best games of last year. Of course, I'd say that's an Xbox guy, but I just think it was a really well done game. Uh, and Forza Six coming this year, but you know, I, I, now I think I don't know. Maybe the team has some ideas, but right now we see our docket seems to be full in the racing space, and uh, they're making great progress with it. If you could buy Burnout from EA since they don't seem interested in doing it and have somebody make a Burnout, that'd be awesome. Just as a, just as friendly <laughs> You're throwing suggestion. that out. Okay, okay. Um, you also told me a year ago, actually, we sat here, and uh, that when you took over as head of Xbox, that you wanted to use the word win the this, the console mm-hmm. battle as opposed to, you know, of course you want to make money for your company, but you'd, you'd specifically use the word that you wanted to win the console race. Uh, is a year later, is that still the case, or are the goals more sort of internally focused these days? Making sure we have as many Xbox and Xbox Live engaged users as we can uh, is critical to our success, both for our gamers, because it allows more content to get created in the ecosystem, uh, as well as just giving you games to play uh, and friends to play with. So having as much success with Xbox one and Xbox Live, including the work that we're doing on Windows 10, 
is definitely critical to us. Like it, it's hundred uh, percent focus of the team. That said, I'll definitely define winning on our own metric. Like right. I won't let the press define what winning means right. or the competition defining what winning means. I look at this year and I say we're delivering a lineup of great exclusive games for Xbox One customers. We have amazing third-party support. And we showed Fallout on our stage. We had Dark Souls 3 on our stage. Obviously, Call of Duty and Star Wars. And they'll have Assassin's Creed all be great on Xbox One. There's a win in just delighting your fans and customers and growing that base. It's interesting, though, and I'm sorry going a little long on this one. When I look at the segments out there right now, I look at the 360 base. And I say that's probably the biggest market opportunity for both us and Sony to upgrade that 360 base. Uh, and I think they've done a good job of moving their PlayStation fans from PlayStation 3 to PlayStation 4. And I think there are Xbox 360 customers that are still waking, waiting to make a decision. Maybe they're waiting for Halo. Mm-hmm. Because Halo is obviously you know, defines in a lot of ways what Xbox sure. is about. That's why backward compatibility was important. So we go into this holiday with a great price for the console. Halo's going to be there. Gears is going to be there. Forza is going to be there. Fable is going to be there. Tomb Raider, which is kind of new as an exclusive threat, is going to be there. And we've got backward compatibility in the box. And I look at, for us, winning this year is really uh, looking at that 360 customer and convincing them that now is the right time for them to move to Xbox One. That's 100% our focus in 2015. I know I've only got time for a few more here. So uh, you you know mentioned backwards compatibility. Uh, does that... Uh, can, Will backwards compatibility give people Halo Reach on Xbox One? Because it's obviously been talked about as, oh, people want it for Master Chief Collection, but now you've got Halo 5 imminent. Uh, we'll, we'll, is it's, that how we're going to play Halo Reach on, on Xbox One is through backwards It doesn't keep us from doing you know, like a, a, a remaster or something, but clearly letting people play Halo Reach in any of the 360, first-party 360 games that uh, they want to play is, is part of what backward compatibility is about. And uh, Halo Reach is a, a very popular game on 360. Like you know, other things like that, I, I, I get asked about all the time. And uh, I don't. We don't have a plan right now for a remake of of Halo Reach. I yeah. suspect it'll be in backward compatibility before we ever think about doing a remake. Uh, on that note, with remasters, you know, you're you are a legit gamer. You prove it on a daily basis. But you're also a businessman. You're running a company. How do you feel uh, about Remasters and you know, up ports that are, that seem to have been rampant this generation in general. Are they are they uh, does backwards compatibility kind of will you as a first party you know you got gears but you think you won't really do too many of those or is that are those opportunities that either for one reason or another you think that that will be valuable in the in the continuing future or do you think those were more of a a generational transition kind of thing. Definitely, there's a transitional moment where I think remakes make sense, especially without backward compatibility. Both us and Sony have probably looked at how do we, whether it's Uncharted or Master Chief or, or Gears, how do we make sure people can play the content they love and backward compatibility will impact that. For the gamer, I think it impacts it in a positive way. Uh, that doesn't keep people from doing remasters. I think there are certain seminal moments in a franchise's history, whether it's the first one or something that's remarkable, where you'll see people do the up res 
version of the game. Obviously, we're doing it with gears yeah. and 1080p, 60 frames per second multiplayer. I think people see that and they'll see a fantastic version of Gears 1. Uh, and if people choose to say, okay, that's something that I want to invest in because the up-res experience is something I want, that's great. But I, I do think that it'll have some impact on remasters. And frankly, as a gamer, I don't know it's a bad thing because right. focusing on creating new games whether they're new IP like uh, like Recore and Sea of Thieves, or just the next iteration of our core franchises, is is you know that's a, a important injection into the creativity of what's going on. Do you think on uh, both the, the console ecosystem itself, the dashboard, and on sort of the general community visibility, whether it's wherever it is, IGN or other sites or social media, do you think the ID and Xbox games are getting the recognition they deserve, and would you ever consider? bringing back something like a live arcade and a summer of arcade kind of program. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm asking you about this on the record now. No. We talked a little <laughs> last night. I'm curious what your thoughts are, because no, you, know, you know my thoughts. Well, and I, I'm in agreement with you. Uh, I love the idea of us highlighting some of the ID games as kind of a special collection. And uh, we've been working on the team on what those plans might be look like whether it's exactly summer of arcade which i liked summer of arcade and I, I think it was successful but we don't have xbla anymore it has different names so you can see us doing it kind of in a different way uh, but i like the idea of highlighting some of the games so they get as you talk about the promotional surface area yeah and i think that's important it's how things like shadow complex and limbo and other things kind of got their time in the sun and i think that's a good job for us to have as a platform holder cool all right i'll finish up with finish up with uh do you think we can expect to see any more built for Connect games, or is do you see Connect? You know, we talked about this a year ago too, yeah. when you when you just made the decision, or is moving forward? Do you see Connect as more of a of a UI complement to the to the Xbox One experience? Well, I know of third party Connect games and Connect games that are in development that haven't been announced, so you will see more games built for Connect. Uh, but I don't know if you have you've had a chance to see some of the UI reveal that we did for the new Xbox experience. Just the screenshots. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, definitely with Cortana and Connect, you'll see a role around voice and your interaction with your gameplay where we're spending uh, a lot of engineering time making sure that developers have full access to the voice system and that we're able to do some pretty cool things with games and the interaction between what we know about the game and how we can help the, the player. And I think there's a lot of future there. We're investing a lot of engineering resources in making sure tracking and voice are important on not only on Xbox One, we do this on Windows. In fact, it's the same team that's working on that functionality right. in HoloLens itself. So that whole space, we're trying to give the, the creators as many tools, create as wide a canvas as we can for them to create the experiences. And then the creativity's got to come to make the great games. Cool. Phil, always a pleasure. Yeah, Thank you very much. Good. Thank you.